Hey, Marie, how is it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, so I got an email from uh, Llama Life that there is a pricing change. So <laughs> what's going on there? You guys are changing your price. What's the plan? Yeah, I forgot you're a customer, so you would have got that email. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's been an interesting week. We did roll out a price change. It is a decrease in price, which is... I think unusual because usually when I get emails about that stuff, it's like, hey, we're going to raise the price in a few months and just letting you know that's going to happen. But this was a decrease in the annual price. So with Llama Life, there is a, a free tier and then there's a, a paid tier, which is either monthly or annual. It was a hard decision to make. I would say pricing is the hardest thing so far I've done at all mm. in this business. It is so hard to get right. Maybe just for a bit of context, Llama Life started off as a completely free product. It was really just a side project that I was doing to teach myself how to code and get exposed to different parts of a business. So, you know, adding authentication and sign in and dealing with a database and dealing with how to take payments. But it was really never meant to be a business. It was just meant to be a side project. But it is a business now. Right that pricing element has changed over time. So it started as free and then I added a buy me a coffee button so people could just mm -hmm. buy me a coffee, just nothing to do with the app, but just, you know, if you like what I'm working on, buy me a coffee. It then started off as a one-time payment at various different price points, then later moved to a subscription service, which had a free trial, which is not the same as the free tier, it's just a free trial and then a paywall so you, if you wanted to access, you had to pay for the whole access. Right, right. It's since moved to free tier. So there's parts of the apps that you can use for free. And then if you want extra features, you pay for a monthly or an annual subscription. So that's kind of the history of it. You've basically tried every pricing model there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's kind of part of it. You know, when you're, you're trying to figure out what works, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, the, the mission of Llama Life is to help people increase their focus. It's to help people achieve calm, focused productivity throughout their workday. So mm -hmm. calm and focus being the, the key words. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, we have to, well, I, I want to try and reach as many people as possible, but at the same time, it is a business. So I need to kind of figure out what is going to be a sustainable model for it to keep going. Because I'm in this for the long term, right? I want this to keep going. So mm -hmm. what is that balance? There's, there's a few different levers to pull, but what is that balance that will keep the business afloat, but also be able to reach as many people as possible? The decision to decrease the price was really playing with those levers, right? So we, we look at the total revenue that's coming in and we look at the number of people who are subscribing if that number's not going up or it's kind of not growing as fast as we would want it to grow, then we need to tweak something. So it certainly wasn't going down. We were still on an upward trajectory. In order to make the business sustainable, we think it needs to grow faster than that. So that's what fed into the decision. It's kind of looking at the overall revenue and all these different levers you can tweak and try and figure out, well, if we decrease the price, then would we reach more people and get more people to actually convert. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's just it's just a balance equation. The tricky thing is the certain paid features which you obviously cannot access on the free plan. That gets super tricky as mm -hmm. well because you're like where do you draw the line between free and paid? Like which features make it into free and which go into paid? 
And then you start thinking, well, if it's a free version, is that a substandard experience for the customer? They're only experiencing the free version and therefore may not be convinced that the product is worth paying for. That bit was super tricky, mm-hmm. right? And we we actually got feedback from customers saying, your free version's it's too good. That's <laughs> We get a lot of emails right. going, thank you for doing such a good free version. We don't need the paid. And I'm like, mm, you know, that's a problem. <laughs> But And also, yeah, I yeah. want you to have all the features in the paid because I think that provides a better experience all round. And the whole goal mm. is to help you increase focus and productivity. But if you're not experiencing the paid features on a long-term basis, then you might not get the value. And it's all about like the value. Do you get enough value from this product to keep coming back and to you know, eventually convert and pay for it? I guess in summary, we had two issues. One was free versus paid. You know, is the free plan too good? We're not going to take anything away from the free plan, but we probably need to beef up the paid features. That's the first Mm -hmm. issue, finding the balance between free and paid. And then the second issue was just the actual price point itself. You know, we were finding that people who were paying for an annual plan, you know, there there are people who pay full price, but we were getting a lot of payments coming through that used a coupon of some sort. They had looked for a discount basically signaling they're not willing to pay full price. Mm. And on top of that, just looking at the month-on-month growth, is this the trajectory that you need in order for your business to be sustainable? So all of those things kind of came together, combined with the fact that we're trying to help as many people as possible. We have a lot of students as well that just said, hey, it's too expensive, we can't afford it. And we actually had Mm. people email us after the price change saying, thank you so much for doing that because we can actually pay for it. So we'll see how it goes because well, obviously that's, that's it just happened. Sign. We had a lot of emails, but it was also difficult to manage because we had a lot of different groups to email um, or to consider rather. We sent one email, but within that email, we said, if you're on this plan, this happens. If you're on that plan, you know, then that happens. And right, right. it's really hard because I want to be super fair to everyone. And I don't want anyone to feel like maybe they paid extra and now it's at a cheaper price. So we're trying to figure out how do you help those people? How do you make it fair for those people? Mm, mm-hmm. I swear, I actually lost sleep over this because I was like, oh no, like, <laughs> is there going to be backlash? And, you know, at the moment it's all positive, but time will tell. Primarily, it sounds like you're hoping that more free people will sign up for the paid plan because it feels more like a reasonable price change or mm-hmm. is, is that about right? It just goes back to that balance equation. At the end of the day, to help as many people as possible, but also... To do that, the business has to be sustainable. So what is the right balance to, to strike? The other interesting thing is, you know, when you run your own business, often you charge too little. I think more people charge too yeah. little than they charge too much. And it's just a psychology thing. You, you don't tend to value your own work as much as you should. And, <laughs> you, you know, I certainly mm-hmm. did this. And there's a bit of fear on my part to say, oh, I can charge this much for my product that I built. And it's a good and bad thing because when you're building in public online, you get a lot of feedback from fellow creators and fellow makers and they have the best intentions, but they'll say, you know, you need to charge double what you're charging now. That happens a lot. (laughs) I see it a lot. I've experienced Mm -hmm. it. People go, hey, you're charging way too little. You should charge more. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes it's 100%. You just did not value your own work high enough. But I think... You know, when you're running a business, you are the only person that can decide what it's worth and what to charge. 
take the feedback from other mm-hmm. people. But I certainly fell into this trap, right? People told me, charge more, charge more. They were saying even more than what I ended up charging. I think it was just, it was too much. And mm-hmm. I, I think the, the lesson for me is to take the feedback from other people, seriously consider it. But at the end of the day, you are the only person that knows your business so well and your customers so well that you can go, look, I have all the context that you don't. And I think your intention is, is well to say charge more, but I have to be the ones looking at the numbers at the end of the day and saying, well, just to make the business sustainable, this is where it needs to sit. So it was super hard to go backwards, bring it down in price, but I think it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a few months and we'll see. <laughs> the one tricky thing is it's, it's a lot easier to announce a price decrease than it is to announce a price increase. Let's just say you decide to go back up in the future. One way mm-hmm. to get around that, it would be to grandfather people in and just sort of say that, hey, the prices are going to go up on this mm-hmm. date. If you want to lock in the current price, you need to sign yep. up by this point. And that could be kind of like, well, this will get a bunch of people to sign up for it because it creates that kind of limited window. I know does, I've signed yeah. up for things like that before. Yeah. Hopefully you won't feel the need to do that. You, you just grow so much and the price change works as it is. Yeah. As you pointed out, like I felt that same sort of in the kind of creator world pressure of like increase the price, increase the price. Mm-hmm. And I even like thought that I saw your email that, you know, I saw the Llama Life email about the price decrease. It was like my instinct was like, oh, no, you should go the other way. You should raise the price because I feel like that, again, kind of in that, that creator community and building in public online and everything, people talk about that a lot. And I kind of experienced that when I did my refocus course, my ADHD course a couple months ago, I showed it to a couple of people. And I, like you said, like pricing is so hard. I had no idea what to charge for this course. And initially, like in my head, I was like thinking like something ridiculously low. I was like, I don't know, like maybe 30 bucks and then I'll get a bunch of people to sign up and that'll feel worth it. And then I went through Maven. Maven is the platform that I used and they had a short course that sort of walks you through what it's like to run a course, which was really well done. So if for anyone that's thinking about doing a course, if you can sign up for like Maven's, I forget what they call it, but it's some sort of like jump starter course uh, program. But one of the things they talked about in there was pricing. And they're like, you could do a high price in the like, you know, thousands of dollars, or you could do a low price at like $400. And I was like, I was thinking $30, so that's a giant <laughs> yeah. gap yeah, between yeah. what I was thinking and what they're suggesting. And then I kind of had the similar thing where I showed it to some people and they said, this looks great, but you, you need to be charging way more. And I think at that point I had talked to myself, I was like, maybe I'll do 50. So I ended up doing, I think I ended up doing $200 for it, which worked out great. I think I got just the right amount of students that I was looking for. And it, so it turned out to be a win, like upping that price. And then I felt really happy with uh, the result. Like I had a good size classroom and then like the end result of how much I took in, I was like, this feels great. Like this feels sustainable. Like I could do Mm -hmm. this again and it feels worthwhile for everyone. Like it felt like a good match at that time. Mm -hmm. I guess all I'm trying to say is like, I totally agree with that. There's like that entrepreneurial pressure of like, you got to raise the price Mm-hmm. And you really just have to kind of know your own product a little bit. And you're yeah. like you said, you're looking at the numbers and saying like, well, raising the price, like that's not going to increase the charts that I'm looking at that I want to increase. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like the problems you're dealing with, you want things to go a certain way and raising yeah. price. If that's not going to do that, 
then that yeah. doesn't make sense for your product. Often people say, well, look at what your competitors are charging and then you should be in the same ballpark. You know, that's kind of, that's your reference point. But I, I actually disagree with that because the problem with that is that you don't know how well that price point is performing for your competitors. As an example, I, I won't name names, but there is a product that we kind of constantly look at and sort of check ourselves against. And I think they were charging $10 US per month. Llama Life is currently $6 US per month. Or if you go on an annual plan now, it's it works out to be $2.50 US per month. So we're quite, you know, we're significantly less than them now. But mm -hmm. I think if we had just said, hey, let's charge 10 bucks or something close to that, that's not good reasoning because we have no idea if that $10 price point works for them. They've put it out there, but we don't know if right. it's actually working. And there's many reasons people put high price points out as well. It can be used as an anchor to make something else look good, right? So one price could be super high and people mm -hmm. go, oh my God, that's like, that's way high. And then the price just next to it is lower. <laughs> and that's, that's a common sort of pricing tactic, I think you'd call it. But I think looking at competitors is a mistake because you really should be looking at your own business, your customers, what's happening with your numbers and tweak it according to that. I think it's really about trying different things. And it is good to keep raising the price, but as soon as you hit a wall, like if you start getting a lot of feedback that that's too high, now the feedback needs to be taken into context too, because if you ask somebody, they're always going to say it's too high, right? It's got to be met with actions. Mm -hmm. Like, did they still buy it? Then it's not too high. Right, right. You know, you raise it up to a certain point, And then what I've learned is that, okay, well, don't be afraid to drop it as well. The second point I wanted to make was you found it easier to raise the price than to possibly decrease the price. But for me, it was the opposite. We've raised the price a number of times and exactly what you said, grandfathered people in. Mm -hmm. If you were an early adopter and you you came in at a low price point, you know, my response is like, thank you for believing in us. And you keep that mm -hmm. price point for as long as you're subscribed. We will never change that on you because that's your reward for being so early. I'm really comfortable with just grandfathering people in that would never change. That's kind of a core principle for me is, yeah, someone believed in you, don't mess them over. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's easier to increase the price. What I was worried about with the price decrease was that some people paid more. So they're paid for an annual plan, they paid more, but now it's less. Oh. If you paid for an annual plan on the day that we did the price change, I think you would be a little annoyed. So we we did deal with that too. So we basically said, if you bought an annual plan from us in the last week, we know it can be frustrating when prices change. And um, we basically just refunded the difference for those customers gotcha. in the last week. There's a bit of debate on that within our team, like whether we should do that. Sometimes <laughs> it's just, well, bad luck. But I think it's fair. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would hate to be in that situation where I purchased something that day and then the price dropped. And it's not a sale because I think you could argue with a sale, well, that could be bad luck even though we had a sale and we did the same thing recently where we refunded some people. But right. I think when it's a permanent price change, it's like, hey, I just want to do the right thing by people. So that's the decision we made. Hopefully it's appreciated, but I found it really hard to drop the price, much harder than I found it to increase um, the price. <laughs> but that could just be me as well. I just, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It actually reminds me of, I don't know if you remember this, but when the, the original iPhone, however long ago, when that first came out, I believe the price point was $600. And then like two months later, they dropped the price to 400 or something like that. 
and it was like such a quick turnaround that I that a lot of people were like upset like hey we were like your early adopters and you know obviously we expected prices to change at some point but it was like two months later and Apple actually I, th I think they gave all their first those like early adopters like $150 in Apple credit like Apple store credit or something like that so they kind of mm. similarly like they took a step to kind of say yeah, that sucks that, you know, you came and supported this first thing and it was kind of unprecedented. I don't I don't think they've ever really done anything like that, but it was such like a quick change for people that had just put $600 on that product that they ended up mm -hmm. dropping. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think they gave people like 150 or maybe even $200 Apple Store credit, which was for me I was like, "Well, that's that's pretty good. That's that's pretty awesome. I got plenty of other things I want to buy <laughs> from yeah, yeah. Apple." So but yeah. yeah, it's a similar sort of thing where you don't want people, there is some risk in kind of lowering price that, yeah, you're right, that you don't want your people that bought before that to take it as like, uh, yeah, take it negatively and take it like a slap in the face when they like mm -hmm. feel like they're supporting what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. As you were speaking about Apple, I thought of another example. So the Google Pixel did something similar too. So I think the Pixel comes out every year at maybe October, September, October time, similar to when the new iPhone mm -hmm. comes out. But um, mm -hmm. the first year the Pixel came out or maybe the second year, two months later around Black Friday, it was $200 cheaper. And similar thing, there was like this backlash going, we are the early adopters, early supporters. We bought it when it first came out and now it's 200 bucks cheaper. I'm not sure what Google did in that situation, but I have noticed every year since then, they still do the same thing. You know, I'm a big, I, I love mobile phones. I, I'm like, I don't do it as much now, but I used to buy a lot of phones just because it was like the new shiny object and I liked all yeah, the different yeah, yeah. features. You know, the, the improvements now are more incremental, but say five, six years ago, there were, there were much bigger leaps, you know, when a new phone came out. So I used to buy like the Pixel phone every year. And after a while I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait till Black Friday because I know they're going to do a $200 <laughs> discount. And it's, it's widely talked about in all the forums and on Reddit that this is going to happen. And people are like, no, we're going to wait. We know this is going to happen. They do it every <laughs> year. I actually don't think they um, offer a credit or anything to offset that. I think it's like too bad. Yeah, for that Apple thing, that was kind of like a one-off. I don't think they've ever done anything like that since. It was just like, I think there was such a big backlash. And it was like, you know, at the time, the iPhone was kind of unproven. I mean, it clearly was making a big splash, but it was like them launching this brand new product. And like two months later, instead of having like positive press of like, oh, it's cheaper. Like so much of the press was like, wow, they really screwed over all the people that mm. were supporting them uh, by buying yeah, it first. Yeah. It's really hard to think of all the different groups. We spent We spent hours just going, okay, well, because the price points changed over time, we're like, okay, well, what about if you bought at this price point? We were just trying to go through from a customer point of view, what would you feel if you did this? And then there's also the the issue of subscription, which is if you bought, you know, an annual plan today, you've got 12 months left. What if you were halfway through? Would you mind? What if you're mm -hmm. almost finished the annual plan? Probably won't mind. But if you just started, where's that point where you stop minding? Like, is it I bought it two months ago. That's fine. That just happens. Or, you know, if, if you bought it in the last week, would you be upset? We're just trying to guess like what are people going to feel. And 
It's always surprising. You think it's one thing and it comes back another thing. I actually got an email after the price change saying, hey guys, I thought it was great value at the old price point, which was the higher price point. They're like, I already thought it was great value. I think you guys are doing fine. I thought it was, <laughs> I'm more than happy to pay that. That was one guy though. Yeah. And mm. I have to look at the overall numbers. Yeah, it's always surprising, <laughs> but um, I guess that's part of the fun. So last week we talked about some of the stuff that we were going to work on. We didn't talk about the pricing change. Uh, I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> but some of the things we <laughs> talked about that we were going to. I didn't know it was coming either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of the things we talked about that we were going to work on. I had said that I was going to be start working again on like my side project app, and that mm. did not happen. Uh, my buddy that we were kind of looking to uh, work together and kind of jumpstart that project that we haven't kind of worked on a little bit, mm-hmm. and he had to cancel. So I haven't I haven't done anything there, but I did do some work on my working with ADHD uh, workshop uh, with uh, my friend Trina Haynes. So we kind of worked a little bit this week on sort of like, what is that going to look like? Because it's um, it's like just a little more than two weeks away. So we kind of have the idea of the material and I'm you know using some of the stuff I used in my other workshop, but we didn't really, you know, we're doing the ADHD thing of figuring it out last minute because that's when the urgency shows up. And so mm-hmm. the workshop I think is going to be like, I know it's going to be great because we're both good at what we do, but we're definitely kind of in that. All right. We really have to actually figure this out now. <laughs> yep. So this yep. week we yep. kind of met and figured out like, okay, what's the schedule? It's a weekend workshop. So we have Saturday and Sunday, three hours each day. So we kind of divide it, you know, divide and conquer like, okay, so you'll do this topic. I'll do this one. And then we set like a date to meet up. So we're going to meet up in a few days and sort of like go over that material to make sure we're on the same page. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on on the side is just sort of like getting this workshop up and running. And then hopefully mm-hmm. I'll be able to reschedule and kind of jump into this app thing with my buddy so we can uh, hopefully talk about that a bit more. So yeah, that's yeah. that's what I've been going on. Uh, I'm imagining you were probably distracted with the pricing stuff, but you did mention last week I think themes and sort of this uh, vent mode. Did you uh, yeah. make any dents into those features? Um, well, I think you can tell <laughs> from my answer that it's probably, it's no. Uh, yeah, so the two <laughs> things were sort of skins, like theming and skins for Llama Life, and then the, the vent feature, which was going to be like a notepad where you can just type stuff in. Like maybe you're feeling, you're trying to work something out in your head and you can just type it somewhere so it comes out of your head and you can hit enter and I was going to do some crazy like cool sound effect when you hit enter that it was kind of like sending it off into the ether or something, you know, just somewhere, but not stored. It's, right. It wouldn't be anything we store in a database. It's more just for you to get out the thoughts in your head and try and work them out. Didn't do that. <laughs> but I am thinking <laughs> what I might do with it that would make it easier is not think about it as a feature for Llama Life because that requires thinking about where does this go? How does this fit with the whole app? I might just do a side project and, you know, just just launch it as a separate website. If people like it, then I could put it into Llama Life. If they don't like it that much, that it needs to be a feature. It could still be a side project that can drive traffic to Llama Life. So I would probably put right, something right. at the bottom and just say, this is brought to you by Llama Life and have a link to Llama Life. You know, just a mm-hmm. another sort of, if you think about different funnels, like into your into your main product, like you could have these little side projects, little websites that you make. And, and I've done a few of these in the past, like the fidget spinner page, which is um, fidgetpage.com. It's just a fidget spinner, but 
you spin it a few times and then a llama pops up and says, hey, you want to see some cool productivity app that I'm working on? And then <laughs> if they say yes, it goes to Llama Life. So I can see this project being something like that. And if it works and I could, you know, I can always roll it into Llama Life, but it's probably easier to do it as a side project that's disconnected. It's a super quick one. I think I could just do it on the weekend even. It's uh, it's more about finding the right sound effects and um, versus any sort of coding skill that you would need. I think that makes a lot of sense doing it as kind of like a little side project sort of thing because I think it's not, it's maybe not as obvious the connection uh, with how it would work with Llama Life. Whereas like once you launch it and get some feedback as like a side project, kind of mm-hmm. like what you said, like that connection may become more clear. You might find out, oh, this is how people are using it oh, that actually would really make sense if I kind of combine it with this other part of Llama Live. You know, you kind of can learn that connection through how people are using it. And then you're Mm -hmm. not stuck with this thing that you find out that, oh, actually maybe (laughs) this, I don't even know how this works in the app, but now it's there and I I don't want to take it away. So yeah, Yeah, I think that feels like a really good approach. Have you heard of the most dangerous writing app? What? No, I have not. What is it? (laughs) Yeah. So all it is is basically, it's just a place to start writing. And Mm -hmm. then the idea is you set kind of like a timer. And then if you stop typing for, I don't know how long, like five seconds or something like that, then it deletes everything you've written. So the idea is that it kind of is supposed to like scare you into continuing to write. And I think Mm -hmm. if you, if you continue to write for the full time, you know, five, 10 minutes or whatever it is, then you, you don't lose what you wrote. You know, it's kind of like injecting that urgency moment to moment of inspiring you, like just keep writing, keep writing, because mm. otherwise you'll lose all of this. It kind of sounds similar-ish. I don't know mm. totally what your vision is with the Vent app, but I don't know if maybe if it's worth looking at to see if it's something similar or you want to differentiate from that. Look, it's, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting app that I've used before when I was doing, like when I was doing Ship 30 for 30, mm. and I was like having a hard time, like how do I want to say this thing? I'm not sure. It was mm. like a great forcing prompt of like, well, this is going to help me write a bunch of stuff because I don't want to lose this. And then at the end of it, I have kind of a better idea of what my essay should look Mm -hmm. like or whatever. Yeah, I love it. I love these sort of apps where they're very single. I call, I don't know, call them like single purpose apps or like very singular focus. Mm -hmm. Like, so this one sounds, it sounds similar to what I was thinking of, but it has a completely different purpose, which is to get you to start writing and continue, just keep going, just keep going. Don't worry. Don't, don't be a perfectionist, just get it out, just keep typing and and then um, you can go back and edit it later, I guess. But I love that. That's such a cool idea. I think the purpose of the Vent app is different. It's more to, you know, like especially with ADHD, sometimes you've got a lot of stuff in your head and it's just swirling around. And if I write something out, like here's the challenge I'm facing, let me just write it out. That helps me personally. Mm-hmm. So this is more about getting stuff that's in your head out onto the page and it could be a vent or it could be something else, but um, just get it out and then hit enter and then it, it disappears or it goes, you know, there's an animation or something that it's gone somewhere. We'll see. I guess I'll just play <laughs> around with it and see. But I think the purpose is different, but there's definitely some similarities in mm-hmm. um, the ephemeral sort of nature of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love all the kind of I think like personality you have in your little side projects, like the fidget page and the noise one. So I'm excited to see what comes out of it. I think it'll be fun. Is that the commitment you want to make for this week? So I've noticed I overcommit. (laughs) I always say, (laughs) hey, I'm going to do this, but I don't end up doing it. So I think I'm going to commit less 
and I will commit to the vent feature or vent website because it's something small and a bit self-contained. And honestly, like I think it'd be nice for me to work on something that is not Llama Life. Sometimes you're just so in your own business that I kind of need a break and this will be a nice break because it's, you know, like you said, it's not immediately, the connection is not sort of immediate, like obvious. So it might just end up being a standalone website. I always love it when I, when I open my code editor and it's like a blank page or you've just got one <laughs> component like app.js. Okay, let's go. It's all blank. Yeah. It's all clean. Let's, we've got perfect blank slate. Let's go. I love that. So um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice for me. What about you? I think I have so many little commitments right now that I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, the main thing is I really have to get this stuff done for the course, um, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's see, I'm trying to think if there's a good way to kind of quantify what I want to have deliverable by then. I really need to get like the first day done so that I know exactly what I'm talking about the first day of the workshop. So that'll be sort of my own like I, my script is usually, you know, it's it's like bullet points and uh, log seek or something like that. So that's that's my commitment that by next week I'll have first day done, ready to go for the workshop. Sounds good. Well, have a good uh, rest of the week and we'll catch you next week.